Welcome to More Than Movies. I'm Ivana. And I'm Jay. Today we talk sci-fi heroes and Trudeau versus Trump. We also revisit Waitress and dive into movie theater etiquette. It's time for a top three turf war. You're listening to a movie podcast. You don't really need me to get all excited and remind you to get your tickets because... The Last Jedi. Going to be monumental. I don't have a ticket yet because I'm going to wait till the theaters are less insane. (laughs) Totally fair. Uh, But it got us thinking, what should we talk about this week? Well, what about the best sci-fi protagonists? The best sci-fi heroes of all time? So, it's time for a top three turf war. Want to start us off, Ivana? I do. My... Top three sci-fi hero of all time is Ellen Ripley from the Alien franchise. My number three is Ellen Ripley from the Alien franchise. Oh my gosh, we even have the placement right on. That's, I know. That's that, so that, rare. Right. Done. Perfect. Well, we'll see what happens with the other two. <laughs> now, we've, we've talked on this podcast about Ellen Ripley before and how iconic she is. Uh, and how amazing she is for the sci-fi genre as a whole, being one of the first badass women on screen. Totally. Except I will say that childhood me always got her mixed up with our scream queen. Uh, Her name is escaping me right now. What's her name again? Jamie Lee Curtis? Yes. The two of them like are so similar to me and so I thought it was a really interesting thing because growing up I always thought of her as this super versatile actor who could be both strong and and like just a force of power in the alien movies and then like totally a girly girl in prom night yes so yeah this is a different person it like it all is. together yeah it is it's all, <laughs> but they're very similar in my defense. And Ellen Ripley is, you know, in the first Alien, there are scenes where I'm like, you are an incredibly sexy lady. Well, yeah, absolutely. She is. Yeah. And then in the second one, I really go full tilt and go, how badass are you? Like, the iconic, get away from her, you bitch. Like, oh, it's just so fun watching aliens Wait, and I'm having confused. Ellen Ripley come in. Is she not badass and sexy at the same time in both movies? Well, in the first one, she's really just trying to survive, right? So she's yeah. using her brain to outwit But a, to me, that's a, what makes her badass. Like that, that is the definition of badass for me. Don't get me wrong. She is, she is badass in both, but she is like a fucking warrior. In Aliens. Well, she's yeah, like, she's had to She's Sarah one. Connor T2 in Aliens. Yeah, exactly. Which also totally should have been on my list, but that's okay. I didn't <laughs> I didn't put Sarah Connor on the list. What's your number two? Uh, my number two is Katniss Everdeen from Hunger Games. Okay, did not make my list. Why did it make yours? Uh, honestly, I think that she is a really badass character. I, I will admit that I read the books before I saw the movies. I'm, I'm more into the books and it might be hard for me to be able to separate movie Katniss from book Katniss. So I can't be sure of my statement here or like 
that it belongs as number two. But the way that I remember her, she's so stoic. She's so thoughtful. She is, but she's a survivor among anything else. So she does a lot of horrible things and a lot of really kind things. And she's a really flawed and interesting character. Um, And it's all beneath this very stoic, like, facade on the outside. And I thought it was really cool because it's one of, like, that's traditionally how men are described, you know? Stoic, still waters run deep, that whole concept. And she took it on as a character, um, and I thought it really fit really well, and I just think she's really interesting. And I think it's a... I think it's important to acknowledge that Katniss Everdeen is more than the sum of a three-way romance story. She is so much more than that. Yeah, I have to say, like, although obviously it's in the story, it is made for 13-year-old girls, um, I I feel like it was, like, very much a B-plot line. I agree. I, I don't like getting really down the road of the Team PETA or the Team Other Hot, Hemsworth guy that I can't remember <laughs> what your actual <laughs> name is. Um, but Katniss is a symbol and that is that should be the first thing you think of when you think of the Hunger Games and Katniss Everdeen is that she is she is a symbol and it is so powerful for a sci-fi character, especially one that is kind of written for teenagers. Yeah. To be this iconic in the sci-fi realm. So like kudos to you for throwing her on your list. Thanks. What's number two for you? Got to go with my boy Malcolm Reynolds from Firefly. Ah, he made it to my honorable mentions. The thing about Malcolm Reynolds is he's just so lovable. Nathan Fillion, I love that guy. Um, But he's also this man conflicted. He lost. His side of the war lost. So now he's this intergalactic smuggler in this really westernized uh, world. But he's also a, a... He's very conflicted, but he's also really great to his crew. Obviously, the whole crew of Firefly are wonderful, but Malcolm Reynolds as the captain, there's nobody else on that ship who could rein in everybody and be that person for everyone. Uh, And that's why Malcolm Reynolds is my number two on this list. Nice. Um, And I think we're probably going to land on the same number one. All right, yeah, go. Who I don't I there's no chance, but go for it. No chance? Okay, Zero I'm going the doctor with Doctor Who. I did not go with the doctor and Doctor Who. Uh he is also on my honorable mentions list. Um ultimately he's too mysterious and I don't I don't know that I like it. I think because he's he's ever changing. He can't be that person. And he's also well, I mean he's not a person. He's the doctor. He's Somebody who has to run it alone always. I mean, yes, he always has his companion. But I think the doctor is somebody who the the world, the universe needs. And that's a lot of pressure to put on any sentient being. But we get this amazing character who is, I mean, I think it was the 50s or 60s when this character was written. And, I mean, it has gone the gamut. I can't wait. For the next season where we get the first female doctor, that's the cool part as well. It can be anything and it should be anything because it's it's not human. It is. It's just the doctor. So you got to tell me what your number one is. 
Uh, you're going to laugh because uh, it's kind of on theme with what we've been talking about. It is data from the Star Trek universe. Oh my God. Okay. So I knew, I thought I was going to catch some flack because my top three doesn't actually have uh, any Star Trek characters because as you know, I'm a little more, a little more Star Warsy. Yep. You are. Um, so you'll see some Star Wars characters in my honorable mentions along with, uh, with John Luke Picard in my honorable mentions. But why data? I thought about it. I thought about the two of them and I thought, I'll be honest, that's always the most interesting character um, for me because there's always a Data-like character in every iteration of Star Trek. Um, you know, at first it was Spock, then it was Data, then it was Seven of Nine, I think. Um, and then yep. the Borg thing, like the... That was Seven of Nine, right? Yeah, no, that was Seven of Nine. You're right, that was Seven of Nine. And then there was one in the next series... Enterprise, I think is the name of it. And uh, it was another female, and I forget what she was, but she was also that kind of archetypal character. And Data, out of all of them, I think is my favorite. Because Mine too. Because he cannot feel. Um, you know, I think Spock was really interesting because he always felt shame because he felt um, yes. And because he, he grew up in one culture and he, even though he was part, uh, human and I think data conversely, he could not feel it was impossible because it went against how he was programmed and yet he wanted it so badly and watching the progression of the character was so beautiful because I, I don't know if it was just the actor or how well the character was written. There's something really tragic about this android who just wants to feel. And and then, of course, when he does, he becomes evil. Like, it's it's just too funny and too awesome. I like Data at number two. Like, I would remove Malcolm Reynolds. Okay. I, I think the Doctor is just the more iconic character. I'm okay with that. Okay, who's number three? Well, we both said Ellen Ripley. Right, but I had I feel like Katniss it has to stay. at two, and who and you had Mal Malcolm Reynolds at two. I know, but we only had one thing that matched up. I feel like the matchup has to go on this list somewhere. All right. It seems weird that we're both throwing out number twos in favor of the number three, but I'll go with it. I'm in. Okay, well, well, hold on, hold on. I mean, either way, like, I'd like some female representation on this list. You think Katniss is, is more iconic to the world of sci-fi than Ellen Ripley? Maybe not to the world of sci-fi. When you phrase it like that, I think this she's is the, more. This I, is I the, think she's definitely more iconic to the younger, like totally. people of this world. But the biggest science fiction heroes of all time, right? I and, mean, we have and, like, a little she's bit way of power more famous, in this. Whereas, like, you know, I mean, not that. I would say Jennifer Lawrence is more famous at this point than Sig Sigourney Weaver. Oh, by far. Like, not that Sigourney yeah. Fever Weaver isn't famous, but she's really known for this. Um, I think oh, more than anything else where um, I, I believe that Jennifer Lawrence is beyond being known for Katniss Everdeen. She's now just a force. She's probably known as Mystique. No way. This was more popular than, than um, X-Men. Yeah, I think you're right. I think they made more money. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's four movies, and 
It's just a, it's a bigger franchise. It also launched her career. Um, but to be honest, I don't think she's known for any one character. She's done so much. Number three, Ellen Ripley from Alien. Number two, Data from the Star Trek universe. And the number one science fiction hero is... The Doctor from Doctor Who. Let's just get it out there. Honorable mention, number one, Han Solo. Nice. Okay. Um, for me, it was Mal Reynolds from Firefly. I love it. Uh, I, uh, I have I have Lilu from Fifth Element. Nice. Oh, man, I forgot. Okay, that, that should have <laughs> been on my list. Uh, Seth Brundle from The Fly. Oh, my God. Yeah, I guess that's totally science fiction. Yeah. I always think of the fly as horror, but I, and not sci-fi. So, good on you for picking that one up. I mean, it, it was I saw. Wait a it minute, is is he a hero though? Yeah, he's. A, I mean, being an anti-hero still makes him the protagonist. We didn't quite say hero; we said protagonist too. Oh, I guess so. But he, like, I mean, he becomes a hardcore villain in that. Yeah, but it's a journey. He's still our our hero in the beginning. Uh, John Luke Picard from Next Generation. Very nice. I also had him, and I had, obviously, the Doctor. Of course. I mean, you got to put the Doctor on there. And I only didn't put Kirk on because I didn't really uh, I didn't really watch the original Star Trek, so I can't, like, vouch for him. Plus, I, I know he's a great hero, but he doesn't have much of an arc to me, where Jean-Luc Picard, I felt like they really, like, ran him through the ringer. Oh, yeah. They were like, oh, shit, you're like a crazy talented actor. All right, let's do this. Exactly. So there you go, Star Trek fans. Kirk does not make the cut. <laughs> I have to admit that I was wrong last week. All right. What were you wrong about? Um, well, I totally like threw shade at you when you used thick in a and to describe a dude. And I was like, no, dude, that's a term that describes females. Well, I mean, I'm glad about this, to be honest. We've totally appropriated the word, and so now it's gender neutral. It can be used to describe dudes as well as females and generally just means super hot. But in a, like, you're not waif skinny, but you're still fit in skinny kind of way. So basically what you're telling me is that you were, you were wrong. Yeah, yeah. I so can, I, I was right. Yeah, I, yes, actually, yeah, you were, yeah. So, like, you know, we're on the record that I am, I am like, better. Uh, I wouldn't go that far, mister. No, no, I think that's what that means, right? Like, I am the king of all knowledge. What? And you are wrong. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I, I feel I like... I think so. I feel like you've taken this, like, maybe, like, 50 to 100 million steps too far now. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I think we can stop the podcast here. <laughs> no, we have so much more podcasting to go. <laughs> and you know what? The next segment, I cannot wait to put you through the ringer. Canada. America. Canada. America. Canada. America. Well, you're probably high anyway. Second week in a row. I'm really enjoying this segment. It's Canada versus America. And Jay, I feel like you are going to go down. All right. Yeah, bring it. Bring it. I'm not going down today. Well, before we bring it, let's 
explain to our lovely listeners what is going on. We have created another game where we pit Canadian versus American knowledge against one another. Um, So here we have quotes from either Prime Minister Trudeau, President Obama, President Trump, or Prime Minister Harper, and we have to guess which one of these four men said it. Jay, do you want to answer first or ask first? I will answer first. All right. This is very exciting. Who said this? It's always good to be underestimated. Donald Trump. Shit. Yes, you got it. How did you know that? Booyah. I have no <laughs> idea. I just, I just know Donald Trump is like waiting to be like, they underestimated me. <laughs> Are you want one? You want one? You got one. Here we go. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. Who said, I think we're pretty much where we need to be on corporate tax? Harper. Trudeau, what up? What? Damn it. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, yeah. I found some stumpers. All right, all right. Here's your next one. Who said, money is not the only answer, but it makes a difference? Money is not the only answer, but it makes a difference. And mine are only American quotes. No, any of the four. Any of the four? Yeah. Obama. Yes, you got it. Oh, my God. That's so good. Oh, sucker. What up? You're not cheating, are you? There's a lot of wait time in between these answers. No, I am not. Have you heard me typing? I don't know if I would hear you typing. <laughs> you would here's me typing. Everybody, just just so you know. Oh, come on. You're, you're being overly you loud that. for effect. I'm not look, <laughs> I'm not cheating. It's, what I'm trying to get across is I'm not cheating. Okay, I trust you. All right. Uh okay, I've got one for you. Okay, okay. ready? I'm ready. We must speak our minds openly, debate our disagreements honestly. But always pursue solidarity. Trudeau. Donald Trump. Fuck. I'm the worst at this. <laughs> <laughs> so I am up two to nothing. Should we yeah. make the last one? Oh, I have the... five. You have three? Oh, no. I've got way more. Okay, let's do five. Okay, so five? Yeah. All right, so this goes to five. So right now I'm up two to nothing. Yes. All, All right. right. So bring it. Bring it. My father raises us to step toward Trudeau. trouble. Damn it. Do you know every quote ever no, made? Don't no, bring, don't bring Pierre Trudeau to a Justin Trudeau fight. <laughs> All right, here we go. Here's one. Okay. Living your life in the public eye is a greater burden than most people can imagine. Obama. Trudeau. Do you, are you know none of yours American? No, I've got tons. Okay, okay. I'm just not I was I was not sure. I got tons. This is crazy. Right. I'm the worst at this game. Okay. Ready so for three your next nothing. one? Yeah, I'm ready. 
I've never seen a thin person drinking Diet Coke. Stephen Harper. No, you got one Ooh, wrong. I got one wrong. It was Who Donald was it? Trump. Ah, oh, Donald Trump. Oh, Donnie. All right, here we go. I believe marriage is between a man and a woman. I am not in favor of gay marriage, but when you start playing around with constitutions just to prohibit somebody who cares about another person. Harper. Well, I wasn't done with is my that your guess? Joe one. That's my guess. That is Obama. Ah, interesting. All right. You well, didn't let me you didn't let me finish. I don't want to go out on that cuz that's like Obama being like what the hell? It just seems to me that's not what America's about. Usually our constitutions expand liberties. They don't contract them. Okay, that you can't have. That would have totally given it away because we know Trump well, is not. I'm glad I interrupted just, you. Yeah, no, that was too easy. I'm trying to help you out here. All right, all right. Your next one. All right. It's always been clear. I support the traditional definition of marriage. Donald Trump. No. Harper. Harper. Yeah. Okay. All right. Ah, okay. Um, all right. I got one. Okay. But I've been very clear in this campaign. I don't believe the party should have a position on abortion. Obama. Stephen Harper. Mm, interesting. I was, so I was like, five. I was tied between the two of them. I was like, I didn't know which way to go. So, did you? You got one, and I got four. Yeah. I mean, can I throw in one I guess bonus? I didn't one? go down. I didn't. I didn't go down. You didn't go down. Do you want to hear one Give me more? One more. Okay. I think people should elect a cat person. If you elect a dog person, you elect someone who wants to be loved. If you elect a cat person, you elect someone who wants to serve. Justin Trudeau. That was Stephen Harper. Oh, Harper, you doggy dog. <laughs> of course, he's a cat guy. Not that there's anything wrong with cat people. I'm not going to lie. I, I love cats. I think they're adorable. But I also love Marshall more. You love Marshall more than all of the cats in the world. I just love her the most. <laughs> For anyone who doesn't know, that's Fair my enough. dog. Just that's my doggy. She's so cute. You're plugged in. Mind your manners. This is Tech Ticket. It is officially Christmas movie season when everybody rushes out to the theaters. Chances are over this holiday season, you're going to be seated in a theater. And because... Ivana and I are so passionate about our movie-going experiences, we thought we would extend Tech-to-Kit to going to the movies. Yeah. I mean, there's some technology portions involved in that. Like, for example, we all know you're not supposed to have your phone out, but the reality is now there's, like, pre-movie games that involve your phone and, like... All that kind of stuff. So what do you do in those cases? When do you put your phone away? I think now you put the phone away before the feature presentation. So you can have your phone out the whole time during the, the trailers? 
Absolutely. Trailers mean nothing. Oh, no way. I am so in a disagreement. I think you put your phone away um, right after the commercials, right at the trailers. Like, you're allowed to be putting your phone away during trailers, but, like, really, you should be done by the end of the first trailer. Trailers are, like, maybe the best part of going to a movie theater. I wear my hoodie up and over my eyes. I have my Bluetooth speakers in or headphones in and I am cranking out of my phone into my headphones uh, some like Green Day or Metallica or some heavy rock so that I don't see the trailers. Like, I don't even understand. That is one of the most pleasurable parts of the movie going experience. And you're just like getting rid of it. I I don't get it. It, If I wanted to see a trailer, I'd watch it on YouTube. Uh -uh, Get me to my movie. There's nothing more fun than when you go into a movie and the trailers happen. You sit down with your friends and then like during the trailers, you all have to put like your thumbs up or your thumbs down at the end. And then you can like see all their hands. Not that everyone always does this, only usually it's just me, and sometimes I nudge Blake into doing it a little bit, but um, that way you all get to participate in this, like, do I want to see it or don't I kind of game. Yeah, but trailers today, you know how I feel about them, they give away too much. Plus, that trailer in 15 seconds is going to be on YouTube, you can watch it then. But that's what I'm trying to say, is like... I usually it's even released already in YouTube. It's not fun in YouTube. It's fun in a theater. I don't know about that. I also see the majority of the movies I go to alone. So I am not thumbs upping the stranger next to me. I mean, I would. (laughs) All right. What about saving seats? This is something that, you know, over the holiday season, you're going to get the family involved. You know, Ivana, you've got your annual tradition of getting the Kingstons together to go to a movie. How are you saving seats while they're out getting popcorn? Well, we have been uh, living the high life going to see Star Wars at uh, at the the like premium theater. What's the one where you get to like people bring food to you from your like reclinable seats? VIP. Ah, yes. The VIP seats. Yeah. And we've decided this year we're going to branch out beyond Star like Star Star Wars because um, we don't want it to turn into only Star Wars only ever on Christmas. Um, however, apparently it's now a prerequisite that we have to see a movie playing at the VIP theater. Which I think is actually a really great experience. I also think... If you are going to be late for a movie or you think you are going to come in, get the seats that you can already book. I haven't been to a theater in a while without paying for the specific seat I am in. Oh, interesting. Because you always go um, like to the like initial opening weekends. Is that why? Yeah, I'll go to the AVX Theater, which uh, there's also the Varsity Theater in Toronto has like two rows of full seats that you can book when you're booking your tickets and then you've just got them. So if I come in, say I miss those coming attractions, my seat is still saved for me. Right. And you pay a premium for that, I assume. Yeah, I think it's like four more bucks. Right. Uh, Usually I I like to do that. I go to see movies like really when they've been out for a while 
And then, like, I can just kind of hop onto any seat and it doesn't matter. But over the holiday season, that's not an option because people are cramming those seaters anyway. So, how many can one person save during a busy theater? I feel like one person can save two seats. I agree. That is the absolute max. Is there a time at which you have to give up these seats? Yeah, I think that, like... The second that the movie starts, you it's hard to keep the claim. You can maybe save if it's only one seat, but two seats is a bit of a tough proposition. At this time of year, you're often going to movie theaters and maybe you're bringing like your children or your nieces or your nephews or like extended family. Um, how At what age, like what are your age cutoffs? So for example, let's say you're going to see the movie It. How old does that kid need to be in order to get into an R-rated movie? And is it R-rated? It is R-rated. Um, that kid, for me, would have to be 15. 15? Whoa. 15. You are for strict. me to bring him in, 15. Yeah. What about you? I feel like Eight? Thir- 13. No. I mean, if it was my child, probably. But like... Not that I have a child, but I feel like if I had a child eight years old, but like, no, I, I would say like, like 13 for other people's children. You know, if I'm bringing my, my, my nephew Owen to a movie, uh, so he's 15, I, I would let him see it, but I wouldn't let like 10 year old Caitlin see it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think if the child has shaved... And or had to wear a training bra, they can go see an R-rated movie. Yeah, I feel like that is well before 15, but okay. Shaving? I didn't shave till I was 17. You barely can grow facial hair now. I know. I'm trying and it's not working. <laughs> it's not working at all. And I'm just... You're just not a hairy uh, person. It's okay. It's it's not a big deal. I'm... I'm I'm trying to do this thing where I, I go until Christmas Day. I have not shaved at all for 15 days. And on the sides of my face, you can barely see a thing. Like, I said I was going to do it for a month, and I think tomorrow I'm shaving because I'm so self-conscious of it. It's embarrassing. So, gentlemen, we know this. If there's a urinal... You don't go stand next to the guy at the other urinal. You give a buffer. Buffer toilet room rules apply until a theater is 75% full. Wow, 75. I I think it's like 50. Maybe 50, but if I'm the only one in the theater, do not sit in the row directly in front of me. Yeah, no. And like, don't like you have to stagger like it is. You have to you have to have to leave space. This happened. I literally just saw Coco on Monday. I was the only person in the theater. A family of three came in as the coming attractions were going. I, of course, missed this because I had my headphones on and my hoodie was covering my eyes. But when the movie started and I took off my thing, they were seated right in front of me. It's a full empty theater. Wow. Yeah. It, and it also startled me that other people were in the theater when <laughs> I, when during the coming attractions, I, I didn't see anything. And then all of a sudden there are people. So, yeah. Buffer zone, guys. 
Buffer zone. I totally agree. You have it's got to be just like in the bathroom. All right, and you might be right about that 50% because if I'm seated in the middle of the theater, people do want to sit center of the theater as much as they can. Yeah, it just has to be kind of like a checkered pattern. like Totally, like but a, just don't sit in front of the guy. Yeah, you sit like one row in front and off to the side or one row and behind and off to the side. And because I saw a matinee of that, it was all general admission. Like, it wasn't like I had specific seats in that theater. Right, so, Jay, you know that I go to the movie theater every Christmas. You do celebrate I Christmas. I love that tradition. Would you ever go to a movie theater on Christmas? I'd love to. I would, like, it would be the greatest Christmas ever to just go to a movie on Christmas Day. I think it would be incredible. I just don't know how the hell I would make that happen and still appease the people in my family. So your Christmas Day is oh my very, God. very busy. What? Oh, my God. My Christmas present, a Christmas Day movie. That's a great, great idea. Guys, I think I just solved Christmas. (laughs) Take two. We revisited 2007's critical darling, Waitress. I don't remember loving this movie, but Jay sure did. He loved the pants out of it. Uh, This is a stylistic dramedy that follows a waitress trapped in an abusive relationship who loves nothing more than baking original and delicious pies. The girl has a shitty job. A shitty husband, played by Jeremy Sisto. A semi-shitty friends, and to top it all off... She finds out that she's pregnant, even though she really does not want to be. Enter a very charming and kind Nathan Fillion. You mean a very awkward Nathan Fillion. I think we have different definitions of awkward. Anyway, the adorable Nathan Fillion is Carrie Russell's new doctor, and the two of them are immediately smitten with one another. It's kind of adorable. Jenna, played by Carrie Russell, is taken aback by Dr. Nathan Fillion, not being an elderly old lady, but gives him a pie for his troubles, and the good doctor sends her on her way. But before we know it, she and Nathan Fillion are having a full-blown affair. Oh, and he's married too. But as the affair gets further and further in, Carrie Russell's husband gets more and more suspicious that she's trying to run away, which she absolutely is trying to run away. The abuse escalates when Jeremy Sisto finds Jenna on a bus bench with a suitcase and in a bid for survival she screams out i'm pregnant and this is when jeremy makes her promise not to love the baby more than she loves him it's so pathetic like the most insecure of dick moves i can remember he's the worst so as this continues jenna's old man friend joe played by andy griffith who owns the restaurant where she works tells her that she should start fresh but how? Eventually, Jenna gives into her life, resigned to live unhappily until she goes into labor. She has the baby, falls immediately in love with her daughter, and that's when Earl, Jeremy Sisto, jealously reminds her that she promised to love him more than their child. So bolstered by the love that she feels for her child, she decides to stand up for herself Finally, and to inform Earl that she's leaving him. The first night Jenna finds the car, 
The first night with her daughter, Lulu, Jenna finds the card that old Joe left for her. Inside, there's a check for her fresh start. So as Jenna is leaving the hospital, Dr. Fillion runs up to her and asks, What now? She smiles and says it's over. There's going to be no victims here. It's just over. So with the money from Joe, she opens her own pie place called Lulu's Pie Shop after her daughter. And the end credits roll over Carrie Russell walking hand in hand with her toddler daughter wearing matching yellow waitress outfits. So this time around, what'd you think? It's definitely not as bad as I remember, but I wouldn't it say is, that I love it. It's very quirky. It's yeah. like really quirky. I, You know, it's like I love the quirkiness. Actually, I love the look and the pacing of the film. That's maybe like the things that I loved the most. Um, what about you? I still really enjoy it, but nowhere near what I thought the movie was back back then. Interesting. So we've both moved more towards like the center, like like in yes, this area where I, I like the movie more than I thought I did, um, and you like it less than you thought you did. But and both are generally positive at this moment, but maybe not like this is mind blowing. The friends were where I saw the map parts of the film. Yeah, especially that friend that gets married at the end. Yeah, who also, I mean, there's a little bit of controversy in this film. That is the director. Don is the director. And the director, before this film was released, was murdered in her apartment. So uh, so there was this whole... So they were um, dating in real life? Not that person. It was a different person. Oh, okay. um, But they, they shot and filmed this in like 2006, 2005, 2006. And in 2006, um, the director was getting out of the shower or something in her apartment and a man came in and strangled her and strung her up as if it was suicide. Wait, wait, wait. The director is the friend who gets married, not the guy that she gets married to. Yeah, the director is Dawn. It's a, it's a woman, which that was another part of this movie. This is a very feminine, female, feminist first kind of kind of film well yeah one thing that i i respected about the movie is that essentially this is um cinderella but with an ending that is pro-feminist like pro-feminist that's exactly it i i was thinking the same thing while watching it this time around i was like wow this is like really you can stand on your own two feet you don't need a man you don't need either one of these people who you felt like has made you either incredibly depressing uh, given you a, a terrible life or has given you the strength that you need to get through this pregnancy. I think that, I mean, I, th I think that's probably exactly the thing about the movie that maybe I don't like the most in the sense, not the feminist part, but the, um, the Cinderella part, the characters feel a little two dimensional in the way that characters can feel two-dimensional in these fairy tales. I think that's fair because Carrie Russell is very much, she's very interesting to watch because she's almost a robot unless she's making pies. When she's making pies, she's very warm, motherly. And I mean, that's obviously a, a, a choice that was made with the director and the actress involved, Carrie Russell. Yeah. Um, and then when she meets Nathan Fillion and they get into this affair, you know, her roboticness is still there. But she's got the, like there's a great montage of her with this goofy grin on her face. Yes. Yeah. That's <laughs> well, that's like mid affair when she's like suddenly like 
more happy than she used to be. And is this film pro cheating? Um, like, is it anti monogamy? No, I don't. I don't think so because ultimately, um, I think the the film is just not casting judgment on cheating or not cheating because you know I, I think it's just saying you know what people are complicated and they will make decisions and do things and the movie just chooses not to judge or even really acknowledge how it feels about cheating so this film came out in 2007 and I saw it and my roommate and Ivana also saw it and my roommate at the time and Ivana both did not like it. And I, I really, really liked it. And I wish I remembered if the cheating aspect and the way they looked at it was a part of why I enjoyed it. Like I, I, I've always been very no, no to cheating. Um, but it was so human the way they show this relationship that it was almost like, yes, this is just a part of people's lives sometimes. And look, how this is how she got through this horrible part in her life. And it was, and then to end it with Nathan Fillion in a way that was like, we're done. We could have a big emotional scene right now, but let's not. And almost say like, it was a nice thing. It's done. I'm okay with that. And like, you almost see a choice in Nathan Fillion's character where he eats this <laughs> this Joe Louis she gives him and kind of is like, okay, I'm moving on. And it's, ah, I just thought like that was very subtle and, and beautiful. And I wish I remembered the first time I saw it and if I still liked that part as much as I did this time around. It's interesting because I have a, a different take of that same thing in the sense of I thought that it was a great choice for the film to... Like, yes, she did receive some form of numbing from her life pain from having this affair. Um, but ultimately, you know, she thought that a man could make her happy, but it, it did nothing, right? Like, she didn't leave her husband. She didn't change anything. She just was a little bit more no. numb in the life that she had. And it wasn't until she had a child that she realized that she could do this on her own and she didn't need a, a man anymore in her life. And I think I didn't see Nathan Fillion as like positive in terms of getting her through something. I just, you know, see him as, you know, sh she made a choice and she learned that that is not the choice towards fulfillment. And also I thought at the end when she gave him the Joe Louis and specifically that moment where he takes that bite, I didn't feel like it was him moving on in the sense of like, I think it was like him just mourning a little bit, like taking a moment to mourn the fact that it was over and he had that's no choice that we than saw to those different it. things. Yeah. Like I think well, that's and, really And of cool. course, and you wouldn't have a choice in that. Yeah. You don't get a choice in that. That is her decision. It, you know, the first time I saw it, I, he says I that do too, doesn't me. he? He says it at some point, like, don't I have a say? Don't I get a choice? And she's like, no, you don't. Yeah. Yeah. And which is so empowering for her because she hasn't been that person this whole film. And it's it's like, okay, who's she going to choose? The old the old husband or this new really groovy doctor? And it's like, no, nah, the choice is her daughter. That is the choice. And it's the only choice for her. That was a really beautiful moment. Um, I forget. It was also great because she didn't oh, want ahead. anything to do with this child until she saw her. 
And the abusive scenes are are genuinely a little bit scary. Oh, yeah. Like when when he's like bash about to bash her head in and she screams, I'm pregnant. Like that is quite a scene. Yeah, absolutely. And the first time she gets slapped on the park bench for the first time and he doesn't even acknowledge that it happened. Just get up, get in the car. Yeah. And, oh, that was that was really? the best I way mean, to show how long that had been happening for, I think. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's a part of definitely what I liked about the film, uh, you know, not not shying away, even though it is like kind of a small little dramedy that is isn't telling a huge story. It's about a woman who likes pies and is pregnant. So what do you rate it out of five? Three. Three point okay, five. I'm going I'm going three point five as well, actually. Yeah. This time around. Yeah. I, I do. I definitely want to watch it again in another 10 years. So Yeah. 10 years from now, I'll, I'll, I would watch this again. A hundred percent. All right. So what are we watching next week? Next week, I say we watch the show Broad City. Uh, and I, I say we either like mix it up a little because I hear that it takes a few episodes for it to get good. Um, and we either like start on epi- like season two just randomly or we watch like two episodes. No, it's like a half hour scripted comedy series with uh, improv, I think. It's improv heavy. Oh, we should probably just do two episodes off the top then. All right. I like it. So join us next week as we watch the first two episodes of Broad City. And that's our show. Thanks for listening and be sure to tune in again next week. If you want to help us support the show, we would really appreciate it. All you have to do is hop onto iTunes or whatever podcast service you use and give us a quick rating and review. Our intro song comes from bensound.com and we encourage you to check out all of our show notes for more information about our music, our talented voice actors, and the sound effects we use. Jay and I love to hear from you, so please reach out to us on our website, morethanmovies.net. Email us at hello at morethanmovies.net. We're on Facebook slash morethanmoviespodcast. Or catch us on Twitter. I'm at Jester Jay. I'm at It's Ivana. Thanks again for spending some time with us. We'll be back again next week with an all-new episode. Until next time, friends. Do more. And watch more. <laughs>